0: Hello and welcome to Digital Works Oral History Podcasts. This series is called Sherbet Dab, an oral history of the London cabbie. The project was run by arts and education charity Digital Works, working closely with the team at the London Transport Museum and Unite the Union. Year 6 children from St George the Martyr and Westminster Cathedral Primary Schools learnt about the history of the iconic London Taxi before going to conduct oral history interviews with the cabbies about their working lives. In this third and final episode, we explore some of the strange and naughty things that have happened in the back of a cab. The day-to-day challenges of the job and what the future might hold for the London Taxi. We hope you enjoy it.
1: I could drive you in the cab, but I um, the, the names of streets probably escape me now. Uh, oh, let me think about it. Manor House, Green Lane's, Brownswood Road, Highbury Park, Highbury Grove, uh, right into St Paul's Road, comply with the one-way system at Highbury Corner, leave by Upper Street, right into, another road set down in Gibson Square. That's probably about right.
2: (laughs) Years ago, there used to be, um, the boat train used to come into Liverpool Street and the boat train used to come into Waterloo. And that had lots of wealthy tourists on who could go anywhere in London or the greater, uh, uh, you know, the home counties. So the trick of the trade
3: was to get to Liverpool Street in time for the boat train to pull in. You know, it's about name what times happen in certain parts of the city. So, for example, we call it the burst. That's when all the theatres finish, about 10 pm at night time. So, that's when you get down to the west end of Aldwych. Or you might go, if you have the radio on, if you know, if you hear the railway stations down, for example, like Euston, there might be a security alert. Or there might be a signal failure. You get down there because you might get a job going to a, quite a far off place. It's never happened to me, but.
4: I would get to Marble Arch. And there was a ho- two hotels there where we would work out of, where you have a relationship with the doorman, and we would service that hotel. And with a bit of luck, most days, we got jobs to the airport. A person could come out the hotel, they'd get into the cab, they'd say, could you t- take me to Cromwell Terminal? Cromwell Terminal is Cromwell Road. They would get the bus to go to Heathrow. Now, it was my job, because I want to go to Heathrow, I want to talk him in to go to Heathrow and make a good deal so what i because i own my own cab i could do that
5: the eastenders are the best were the best cab riders years ago and they all had little different names for the pubs they didn't always call them the pub they were at that time you know it wasn't called the name on the door someone would jump in and go can you take us to kate Otters? oh yeah all right, okay and you'd have to wander your way through victoria park and try to find this pub and think well i can't see a pub named kate on this no that's what they call it that's the swang but when you got to these places i mean if the fare was about three pound they'd give you six pound you know they they were so generous whereas you went in belgravia where you know where the uh, where the toffs were and if it was three pound they'd give you um, 10% or three pound 10 pence or three pound 30 pence. They wouldn't impart with any of their legacy, put it that way.
1: One sumo wrestler was waiting outside a hotel and you know how big these guys are? And he had a translator and they said, we want to go here. And I was like, fine. And then his three friends came out, all sumo wrestlers. And they, was, they were huge. And one got in the cab and the cab went, <coughs> and the next one got in and he went <coughs> like that. And then I had to push the last one in, just about got the door shut. And I could feel the um, suspension almost hitting the road. But they were very, very polite. They just wanted to go into a London taxi.
6: There's still one or two little courtyards. that I, Literally, they're courtyards. They, they're parts of buildings. But you can zip in one end of them, zip out the other end of them, and you're in a totally different part, away from the traffic. Things like that you can get up to.
5: What has been your favourite thing
0: about being a cabbie?
6: (coughs) What every other cab driver is going to say without even thinking about it, and that's the freedom. It's the freedom to be able to do what we want, when we want and how we want.
4: If you oversleep and when you're a young man and you went out and you got up late, so you got up late. If you didn't want to go to work, you didn't go to work.
1: You've not got to ask anyone for overtime. You haven't got to ask for time off but every cab driver works for the, every penny they get.
7: Sometimes, I don't know, if you go on holiday and you need to get more money, you can work longer hours, you can go and find the money, whereas a normal job, you just get your wages and you have to live off that.
1: Well, I think I've become a typical cab driver. I, I've had a back problem, I've had a heart problem. Uh, fortunately, I haven't had a lung problem, uh, but I've got uh, a stomach. To prove that I've been sitting in a cab for 51 years.
8: When I first started, sometimes you got cabs that didn't even have a radio in. You had to bring your own little transistor and hope that the aerial sticking out the window would uh, give you some kind of company.
5: <laughs> in this job, you can get low. If you don't have a structure, you don't have some sort of discipline and order, you can end up. Maybe not working and getting behind. You're self-employed. Every time you go out to work, you feel like you're never earning enough money, and it's it's and it can get you it can get you down. Uh, I would say that that marriages suffer in the cab trade.
1: Just the loneliness of sitting in your cab and driving around and around, looking for a job, and no matter what you do, you can't get anything in the cab. You, you see other guys with people in their cabs, you, the cab in front gets a job, the cab behind gets a job, and you're just driving and driving. You start to feel sorry for yourself, and why is it me? And it, it makes you feel very, very lonely, very, very isolated. Doesn't often happen, when it does, it's a horrible, horrible feeling, I'll tell you. The best quality for
4: a um, a London cab driver, apart from knowing the knowledge and where they're going, is to uh, know that you're going to get any sort of customer in the back. They can be you know, posh people with posh accents, they can be uh, working class people, they can be people that are very annoyed, very jumpy, people that have had to get a cab because they're in trouble, people that are on the way to a hospital, so you've got to deal with all types of people
6: and you're gonna meet some really, really horrible people driving a cab, some really nasty people. But you only have to tolerate them for 14 minutes. That's the average taxi ride is 14 minutes.
9: One of my worst experiences was when I had a man and two women get into my taxi um, and um, the man started threatening me um, while I was driving along and I realised he wasn't quite, he wasn't very well put it that way and so what I did was was I. he told me to keep driving and I just thought look no one tells me to keep driving and so I knew I didn't have much in my taxi so I pulled over quickly yanked the key out of the, the door and just ran and I just left them in the taxi.
10: I, I was only into the job not a year yet ranking up on Charing Cross station the ruling is first scout, first job and the gentleman refused to go with me. He went to the drivers behind, and they also refused to take him there. He got very irate, went for the police, and he insisted that he don't want to go with him. And he was very, very irate, very angry. The other cab drivers, I heard one of them saying, "Um, he doesn't want to go with a colored boy. Now, um, I'm new to the job, I'm new to this thing, so this hurt very much.
1: I sometimes wish I'd have sort of started off an autograph book from day one with, with all the people I picked up, which I never ever did. But you kind of look back at, your, at your, your career and think, you know, if you did, you'd have a book filled with famous faces, really, you know, actors, footballers, film stars, comedians, um, and, uh, you know, really sort of famous people.
7: I had, do you know, take that, yeah, I had uh, Jason Orange, he's left now. But I I kicked out a customer to get him in. <laughs> and I said, don't have to pay me. They um, they, they were on the rank in Liverpool Street and the, the customer was getting out to get me money because she didn't have any money. So I was like, no, fine, it's get out because he was the first on the ranks, fine, you don't have to pay me, get out, get out because I absolutely love to take that. So he got in and I started driving and I forgot to ask where he was going because I was so excited to have him in the cab. <laughs>
6: Picked this lady up said would you mind if you wanted the, um, she wanted the she uh, wanted the royal opera house she said do you mind if i warm up so i said no not at all i thought she was cold thought she wanted the heater on and then she, and she starts getting louder and louder and louder and by the time we got to the opera house i thought she was going to break the glass the voice was so piercing she was warming her voice up i thought she was going to shatter a window in the cab
0: What's the most unusual thing anyone has done in your cab?
3: <laughs> I, can't really, I can't really say here. Um, I picked up a couple once. And to cut a long story short, they started having intimate relations in the taxi. That was the worst thing. I told them to stop because it wasn't very hygienic. <laughs>
5: To London town for the honeymoon Arm in arm they went to see the sights Till late that afternoon Joe's death sight when folks began to stare London's no place for a spoony fair. Just then a the taxi cab through near Said his wifey Joe I've got the bright idea Will you take me in a taxi Joe All around the town we'll go You can kiss me down the strand Ticketilly, squeeze
10: my hand, tickle me in Leicester Square, and make me smile. Love me all around
8: Regent Park at eight pence a mile. One day I picked up this lady near Euston Station. She, she was sitting very far back in the cab with her sunglasses behind the newspaper. Anyway, we got chatting and she said, um, I need you to follow this car for me. So, uh, okay, you know, the meter's running, you're the customer. So the car came and we followed and that, and she was behind the newspaper and that. I said, why are we following the car? It's my husband. I think he's having an affair. So I need to make sure that he's going straight to work and not to meet my cousin, she said. Uh, She said, I think he's having an affair with my cousin. Oh, so now we're all the detectives, you know. I'm hiding even though he doesn't know me, you know. Anyway, we followed him and luckily for him, he went straight to work.
2: I I loved the um, banter. I had three of them in the cab from the upper house, House of Lords, they're unelected. They were from Northern Ireland. Um, Paddington, Paddington Station, with their Northern Irish accent. And off we've gone. And I says, you're Irish? Oh no, we're British, we're British. I says, no you're not, you're Irish. You're from the island of Ireland, where the Irish people come from. So we had a debate and and a revolution all the way to Paddington Station.
4: And also, I think, cab drivers, after a number of years, become sort of a, 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 um, a, a counselors. I've had people get in the back and on the journey, started talking.
3: And by the time that we've got to the other end of the journey, I know their life story. Another time, a guy got in. This is at St Pancras. And he came up to the window. And he said, mate, just step into New Cross. And he threw, the, threw loads of money through the window. I said, OK, start driving towards New Cross. I got to Blackfriars Bridge, I think it was, and he said, no, turn around, and go back to Islington. And he's going, they're tracking me, they're tracking me. He was he, he was paranoid, he thought he was being followed by someone. And in the end, he, he asked me to take him to the police station. He flung the door open, and just ran into the police station. And I went, check, I went in to check after him, and the policeman said, did he pay you? I said, yeah, he paid me, he paid me too much. I don't, I don't need all this money. But he was very unwell, it was very unfortunate. But until I realised that, you know, it was quite scary as well, because... You're on your own when you're in a cab. I'm not trained to deal with uh, cases like that. So we can do a show of compassion and, you know, try and help them the best you can.
7: And when the terrorist attacks happened, there was cab drivers that were taking people for free out of the area. And it was a sense of, this is our London, we need to protect our people. It leaves you with a huge sense of pride.
2: People have been rushed to hospital in cabs. Again, no charge. You see an incident in the street, somebody needs to get away from it. You take them away, no charge, all this sort of thing. And we've been doing it for as long as I've been driving a cab. Just helping people generally. The cab trade is renowned for its charity work. We have a children's outing. We take underprivileged children. It really was started with Norwood Orphanage, which was a Jewish orphanage in Norwood, hence its name. But now it includes everybody. And we take children to the seaside, for the day. In the old days, I used to take the children down, the underprivileged children, down to um, um, South End once a year with the uh, hundreds and hundreds of other cabs or take them to um, Worthing. If I was driving the cab and
1: for hire and empty, you know, empty and for hire, I'd probably put on um, behind the taxi on the bank here outside the Westbury Hotel. That, that, that can move fairly quickly and because you're at a hotel you can possibly get the, uh, the ultimate job which is to the airport.
10: When I began to get lazy I decided to park myself at Heathrow Airport. It wasn't a pleasant introduction because at that time Heathrow Airport was run by what we call the FACES. Before the union helped reorganize things, which I was part of that, it was like a, like an outlaw system, you know, a few FACES run things. And to get on the rank, to get a job, on each terminal there was about five spaces. So the FACES will pull out and keep spaces for their friends and they will keep you back, uh, and you had to wait your turn. This is no no word of a lie. I remember orbiting in the airport. I checked it for 30 miles before they allowed me to come on the run.
2: In the early days, um, I used to see my wife's uncle, who was one of the faces at the airport, and if I saw him, he would give me a fare back to London. All this was highly irregular and highly illegal because you're supposed to sit on the rank, take the first fare that came along. But these guys didn't work like that.
10: The unwritten system was you had to work your way in. You know, After you, under sufferance for a certain amount of period, and they got to like you and you got ingrained, you, you got into it. It was the TNG at the time. They were very instrumental in bringing about these changes. By negotiation, the whole idea was to make it a fairer system for all.
9: Because we have a feed part system that you have to go through. So you could be waiting any time from an hour to four hours.
2: It's like any other rank, except you have a chance of longer jobs, but also time
11: to study. One of the things we also did at Heathrow was to set up a union learning centre. We've done this thing where you can learn, learn while you earn. So although you're sitting there for two or three hours, you could be learning Spanish, um, you can be learning computer skills, you could be learning you know, there's a whole range of different things you, you can learn. You can either go into the calf and, and, and see your mates and have a chat or you can go into the learning centre and do some learning or you can read or play your saxophone or play your guitar, whatever you want to do in the back of your cabin. It's amazing what you know what instruments people play. Can hear it coming out of the feeder park. Then you, you, you can see your numbers counting down. You're sent automatically by computer to a terminal that's calling for cabs. You go to the to the to the um, terminal. Again, you could either go. Depending on how busy the terminal is at that particular time, you can go straight in and off you go, or you can come to the back of the rank and you could be there another 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, even.
2: So if somebody flagged me down in Knightsbridge or Piccadilly and says Terminal Two, Terminal Three and I took them out to Heathrow, I'd do a U-turn and come straight back empty. I couldn't sit on the stacking system of cabs and wait three, four hours for a job to take me back to Liverpool Street or Piccadilly. I couldn't do that no more.
1: I'd rather scoot around town, doing a little job here, a little job there, a little job here, a little job there. At the end of the day, it probably adds up to the same amount of money. But that's the way that they like to work. It doesn't suit me, I don't like sitting around.
2: I remember in the old days, all the East End garages, you couldn't as a cab driver, you couldn't go and hire a cab and work in the East End unless you was a member of the union. Initially, when I first started driving a cab,
1: I didn't pay much attention to unions or trade organisations. And I'm sad to say, when there were trade organisation demonstrations, for one reason or another, I never joined in. I was always riding around the outside, thinking to myself, oh, it's busy. It's a bit busy outside. And... You know, there's lots of work here, only because the guys that were demonstrating on my behalf, which I didn't really appreciate, it was only when I had been driving the cab a lot longer that I appreciated the necessity of trade unions and organisations that support the individual driver.
9: I think we've become more unified because and more, we've, we've, we've bonded together a lot more since we've felt that our trade has been under attack. From companies such as uber?
11: Um, I think obviously uber is a massive massive problem um, this is a company which is obviously backed by some big backers Goldman Sachs, Google I think uh, some of the backers they work on a, a business model which means that they actually subsidize each fare up to 40% um, so uber's never made a profit it makes a loss but it's making a loss because eventually what it wants to do is to make sure there's no competition uh, I think as well going forward is automation, driverless, taxis. Uh, I know that obviously Uber are working on that business model as well. They're working on a model that in 10 years' time they will have no drivers. They will just have profit, profit, profit and be the, the, the one mini minicab company that you, you will go to.
9: I just feel that private hire drivers need to have regulated fares. Or a minimum fare, a minimum per mile fare that they, could, they, they have to charge that would stop this this dramatic undercutting. It would also stop the what I feel is the exploitation of drivers where they're not earning enough money after their expenses.
4: Where the average cab today was a 43,000 pounds, the electric cab now is going to be near enough 60,000, 65,000 pounds. If you want to invest
8: in that sort of thing, you have to know that there's a, a future for investment.
2: It's coming to decision time now. Do you do we need the famous London black Taxi or not?
6: Don't tell anyone this is our secret, but I've actually got a sat-nav programme on my phone. Shh! Uh, and it's very good because it gives you live traffic information. So when I left home, I set my sat-nav up to bring me here and I looked at the route and I thought no, that, that's not the way to go and I used my knowledge to get here and I got here something like seven or eight minutes before the estimated time of arrival of when I left home. It's only seven or eight minutes but the fact of the matter is that I beat the SatNav.
2: I'd say it's been, a, it's been a really good job. I've really enjoyed my years as a cab driver. And I've loved it, I must admit, I have loved it, but the job isn't what it used to be and nothing
4: ever stays the same. Everything changes and unfortunately, this is changing for the worst.
6: Very proud to have been a London cab driver. Very proud. We're we're the most famous cab drivers in the world. Hated by everybody in London, but loved by everybody around the world.
1: Oh, you're you always you were a cabbie. You know, I, I love it, I still love it. When, when people howl you and they say, cabbie, can you take me somewhere? And yeah, that's what I am. I'm a London
2: cabbie. I get up every morning and thank God that I'm still here. And um, I look forward to driving a cab. End of story. Thank you for taking the time
11: out of your day to help
2: us with that. Right, could you give me the money now or not? Leave on the right, White's Club forward Albemarle Street, left Hay Hill, uh, uh, the one-way system, Barclay Square, up through to Grover Square, turn right, Park Road, Park Road over Oxford Street, forward um, uh, Gloucester Place, up to, uh, up to St. John's Wood Roundabout, comply with the one-way St. John's Wood Roundabout, forward up to Finchley Road,
0: The Sherbet Dab project was developed and run by Digital Works with thanks to the children and staff at St George's the Master and Westminster Cathedral Primary Schools, the London Transport Museum, Knowledge Point, Unite the Union, Alf Townsend, and all of the interviewees. Music was by Vincent Burke. This project was funded by the Lottery Heritage Fund and Unite the Union. To listen to the full interviews or watch the documentary film made as part of this project, visit www.sherbertdab.org.uk. To find out more about Digital Works' many oral history projects and to see other documentary films made about London's history, please visit www. .digital-works.co.uk. Thanks for listening.